Welcome to the Network Marketing Heroes Podcast, hosted by 40-year network marketing veteran, author of best-selling books, The Four-Year Career, and Mach 2 with Your Hair on Fire, and world-renowned speaker, Richard Bliss Brook. When it comes to success in network marketing, who better to learn from than leaders who have actually done it? Listen as Richard interviews top leaders and gives you a behind-the-scenes look at how they did it. You'll get incredible tips and duplicable actions you can do right now to build your own four-year career. Stay tuned after this episode for an exclusive discount code to get 10% off Richard's easy-to-use tools that will help propel your network marketing business to the next level at blissbusiness.com. Richard Brook here, Alyssa Francis. So over the last three and a half years, we have interviewed over 80 network marketing superstars, people that have crushed the four-year career in one form or the other. And you're going to get an, uh, get an example of listening to Alyssa's numbers for her five and a half year career, right? Yes. First time in network marketing, five and a half years with her company. And we'll get to uh, see what that kind of career looks like. So I always like to tell people up front that on these hero calls, we are interviewing extraordinary people. So you do want to try this at home, but don't expect the same results that the people that we're interviewing on the hero call have gotten so far in their business because we are interviewing absolutely extraordinary people. And we're not interviewing these people to suggest that you will accomplish what they have accomplished, but we're interviewing them to suggest that whatever you want to do, maybe you want to make $1,000 a month or $1,500 a month just to set yourself up for retirement or pay off your debts or create some better you know, vacation opportunities for your family like Alyssa has done with her family here at the Four Seasons in Lanai. Uh, whatever it is you want to do, our, our intent here is to introduce you to people that have done so well with their four-year career that it will allow you to establish some belief that you can do whatever you want to do. So <clears throat> if Alyssa can build a team of 100,000 people, yep. 100,000 people in five and a half years, well, we think that you could probably build a team of 1,000 in five and a half years which would provide you with an extraordinary part-time income. So that's the purpose of the Hero Call interviews, not to suggest that you will duplicate what any of these people have done, but whatever it is you wanna do, we certainly know that it's possible. So uh, we're gonna go for about an hour this morning and Alyssa's gonna tell us some fabulous stories in response to my questions and um, what, what we know you will get from it is just another extraordinary level of belief about what's possible in network marketing for you. So Alyssa, tell us your story um, before. So she's a young living sales leader. That's an essential oils and nutrition company based in Utah. Before you got involved in young living, tell us about your life. Who were you? What were you doing for a living, if anything? Where were you living? Sure. What's the background? Well, first, I'm, I'm honored to be here, and it's just amazing to be here on Lanai in your home for this live hero call, so thank you for having me. Sure. 
So before network marketing, I swore I would never get into this business. <laughs> you and yes. 10 million other people. I'm sure you've heard that many <laughs> times. Um, I actually spent part of my childhood here in Hawaii on the island of Maui. Right. Um, met my husband when I was a single mom living in Southern California. And at the time when I was introduced to my company, I was actually living, and I still do, I live in North Texas with my family. And I had been uh, a stay-at-home mom and a little bit of an entrepreneur for a few years. I had my own blog. Wow. I was teaching people how to save money using coupons at the drugstore. Of course you were. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, is nothing like my life today. Uh, there's been a complete transformation in that area in more ways than one, mm -hmm. as I'm sure you can imagine. But I always had that entrepreneurial spirit and I enjoyed, you know, contributing to my family income. Um, at the time when I was introduced to my company, my husband was um, traveling a lot for his career. Almost every single week he was gone and I was home with my three children, homeschooling part-time. And yeah, um, I, missed, I missed my husband a lot. What was he doing? He was in sales for IT consulting. He was selling consulting services traveling around the country, uh, we missed just a lot of our family life. Got it. In that career. Okay. Yes. So how did you first get introduced to uh, Young Living? And so what we want to know here is who was it that introduced you? Name is fine, but what's more important is how did you know this person or how did you meet this person? And what did they say to you that got your attention? Sure, so I think my story might be a little bit unusual because the person that introduced me to Young Living was almost a stranger to me. Mm -hmm. And she uh, did not pitch the business because like I said, I wasn't looking for that. Right. I was on a health and wellness journey for my family that started with um, a diagnosis for one of my children that I was trying to tackle. And I was looking for a better way, I had purged my home of many things, chemicals, I stopped the couponing, I stopped the drugstore shopping, and I tried lots and lots of you know, different things in the natural health and wellness realm, but I hadn't tried essential oils yet. And so I actually met my sponsor, met through a Facebook group that I was um, helping to run about health and wellness, and she became part of that Facebook group, and we discovered that we had a ton of mutual friends. So I had never met her, but we had mutual friends, and so let's pause there okay. because I know that most of you listening to this call or watching this live have heard that one of the best social media strategies is to join groups. Absolutely agree. Like yes. Find some groups that you have an affinity for, you have an interest for on social media and go join those groups and participate in the conversation, what's going on. And then look for, for opportunities to connect where maybe you take it offline and message somebody and get to know them better, find out what their life's about, what's going on with their life. And through that process, there'll be an opportunity for her to introduce you to her product. So how did she do that? What did she say to you or chat to you? So I actually approached her. Ah. Um, she was part of my group and she was contributing, right? She was answering questions. She was engaging in our community. It was very, it still exists. Um, it's a very safe place to talk about, you know, hard issues, health and wellness. Mm -hmm. 
And so she started answering questions about how she was using these products in her own life. And that piqued my interest because essential oils, as you know, that's what Young Living offers, was not an area that I had explored yet. And so she started answering these questions and I was very curious. And I was excited. I'm like, I need to learn more about this topic. This is something that speaks to me. It was right in line with, you know, where my passions and where my values were going. And so I actually messaged her and I said, hey, how can I get some of these products? Uh So that worked for her to be participating in the Facebook group. Definitely. Like reaching out, contributing. That's what got your attention. Okay, so she obviously told you all about the products. She told me a few details here and there, and I did a little bit of my own research as okay. well. It's just how I am. Okay, yeah. so did that have you sign up as a member? No, not right away. Uh-huh. I was um, honestly very skeptical about the fact that Young Living was a network marketing company. Oh, so you didn't like network marketing. I did not. I, I really was quite ignorant. I didn't know much about it. Kind of like, kind of like some of the people on Super MLM. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. And so what did you say to her about network marketing? Like, what were your objections? You know, I didn't even ask that question. I just wanted the product. Mm-hmm. And so I literally messaged her and said, I want some of these oils. Can I use your discount? And so she was not building a business at the time. And she ordered some oils for me on her account and got them to me through mutual friends. Wow. So long, long story short, I, I did end up later attending a class at her home. That was the first time I met her. How long? That was about three weeks after I finally had those products in my hand. Okay. And I loved them. Okay. So she invited me to her home for a class, and I showed up that night, never met her before, complete stranger, walked into her living room. And that class was taught by my upline. Okay, good. Who you interviewed. Who's that? <laughs> April Pinter. April. Oh, okay, yes. right, okay. And then also Danette Goodyear. Okay. So they taught that class. So did they introduce you to the income opportunity? Yes, not right away. And what, not you, right away. Do you remember what anybody said? I do. What did they say? Yeah, it was, it was a little bit later in the process. Okay. I mean, I, I had fallen head over heels with the product. That had to happen for me first. And I had hosted a class of my own a couple of months later mm-hmm. that April and Danette came and taught. Okay. And I simply, um, you know, I enrolled all those people at my class that night. We, we call it the magic class. Okay. It's kind of legendary. <laughs> and it was a couple days later that April called me. And I didn't really know April at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had just met a couple of times and, and she called me and I thought, this is kind of nice to get a phone call. Mm-hmm. And, and she said, you know, you've just enrolled like 27 people in the last, at, at that point, it had been a couple months. And were these all people that you were just enrolling to use the products? Yes. Yeah. Okay. She said, you know, you could do this. Would you want to do this as a, as a business? And so she, wait, wait, she wait, asked wait, the question. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> okay, April, we're going to have you write a book about this line, because this is a magical line. It was. So you start by telling somebody, you can do this and then your power close is would you want to do this as a business mm-hmm. april we need to package <laughs> <laughs> so it just goes to show you that it doesn't matter what you say i mean there's some bad things you can say and obviously there's better things to say than you know other things that you might say but 
if April can get Alyssa interested in the business with the line, you can do this. Would you want to do this as a business? Which I can't think of in the category of, okay, that's not really negative. It's not really a horrible approach, but in the category of somewhere between neutral and acceptable, that's about the lamest thing you could say <laughs> to someone and it works. So to the point of, you know, we struggle so much with, oh, I don't know what to say to people. It doesn't matter what you say to people. As long as you're excited and as long as you're confident and as long as you're happy and, you know, you can say things, you can ask questions. And if they're the right people at the right time, you're going to get a positive response. So well, another point I want to make about this, what I call the gestation period. So question for you, from the time you enrolled mm -hmm. to the time you understood there was an income opportunity and for you to take advantage of it, you needed to recruit people into the income opportunity as well as getting customers. How many months passed from the time you enrolled to the time that you got it? Okay, I need to like build a business. I think I got it in stages. Okay. I, I didn't get it all at once. Okay, so but, so but by the time you got, okay, I need to start recruiting. Yes. Not customers. I mean, yes, customers, but in addition to customers, I need to start recruiting people who will start recruiting. How many months passed? Well, to be honest, I had three people right out the gate who wanted to do this business. Okay, but you didn't, you were just, you told us you didn't run and bold and enrolled 27 people, just customers. Just customers. So. But they turned around very quickly and okay. told me, I want to host a class. All right, so your customers mm -hmm. told you you need to start recruiting. Basically, it was the people under me that made this really easy. I okay. have amazing people. But then you said April came and she's the one who introduced you to the income opportunity. Correct. So how many months Correct. passed before oh, April from, came? From the time I enrolled to that conversation with April was about two and a half months. Okay. So whatever that period is. So in, in Alyssa's case, it's at least two and a half months. And there you had some things percolating before that. But sounds like April was the one that said, hey, Alyssa, this is a real deal. You need to start recruiting people into the real deal part of the income opportunity, two and a half months. Now here's the point I wanna make about that in the gestation period. Most people approach their prospects product first, which is fine, it's natural. It's the easiest way to connect people with what you're doing, perfectly appropriate and all that good stuff. And, the biggest mistake that people make around recruiting is they don't pay attention to the gestation period. The gestation period is how long does it take for somebody to go from being a customer, like a raving fan of the product, to understanding the potential of the income opportunity and what they need to do to take advantage of it. Like the enrollment into the income opportunity presentation, that gestation period in some companies, in some organizations, in some culture, cultures is months, I've met people in your company where it's years. Yes, like, I've seen this you know, as well. How long have you been in the business? Seven years. When did you start building? Two years ago. Mm -hmm. So that's a five-year gestation period. But here's the point I want to make about the gestation period for you to think about as you're leading and managing people along that process that Alyssa spoke to. So however many months it takes you to go from customer 
to business builder, where when you start as a business builder, that's when your geometric progressions start building. When you start recruiting people into the income opportunity and they start recruiting people into the income opportunity, that's when your four-year career starts. That's when your geometric progression start. That's when, if you will, your penny starts doubling every day. So here's the point I want you to understand about this gestation period. If it takes two months for you to start building a business, you have lost two months of income. Now, most people, when they hear that, they think, well, that's no big deal because in the first two months, I'm not really making any money. But here's what I want you to consider. You actually lose two months of the highest income you'll ever earn. Really? You will. So you've been in five and a half years. Correct. But you've only been building for five years, three months. Yes. Or four months. Correct. You can never get those first two months back. Oh, I see. Yes. So it's not the first two months income that you lose. It's your current income. So let's say you never earn any more than you're earning now. You earn a lot of money now, don't you? <laughs> I do. <laughs> I mean, like, wow, amounts of money. And so you can, you can never get those two months back. It takes your highest month's income and it always reels it back two months. Okay. It's a floating time frame. You can never get it back. Never. So those two months cost you, I'm gonna say a couple hundred thousand dollars. Ouch. And knowing how important money is to you. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> You know, here's a question you can ask somebody when they say, you know, yeah, yeah, blah, 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 wonderful, nicey, 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 but, you know, I'm going to wait until next month until, you know, I get my cat groomed and then I'll be all ready to focus and I can build a business. And so, you know, what can you say about that? Well, what I would tell somebody is, no problem. I understand the cat priority. That's cool. I support. It's all about you, whatever you want to do. And so I'm just here to support you whenever you're ready to start. And if that one month's delay was going to cost you $10,000, would you want to know about it? That's what I'd ask somebody. Yes. And they go, hmm? Yeah. Could be 10 grand, could be more. I can explain it to you in about 10 minutes if you'd like to see it. And then you just show them geometric progressions, penny a day, however you want to show them. Okay, back to you. Okay. And your bill. So tell us about the first 90 days after the April phone call. So now sure. you're, okay. So she said, do you want to build it as a business? And you said, well, maybe, or yes, or. Well, keep in mind, I, I already had about 27 people under me. Yes. Just I... from, hey, a friend here and there, from the Facebook group, the class that I hosted. And I do remember saying to her, my response was very weak. What it was, was it? Oh yeah, I'll give, I could give this a try. I'm pretty busy right now. <laughs> I, mean, I love that. Just pathetic. Yes. And what did she say? She's like, well, I'll help you. Oh. And I, I want to point something out. April's not my direct upline. Right. She's not my sponsor. I'm grateful for my sponsor. She introduced me to the company. 
but I'm on April's fourth level. And so she was digging deep Sweet. and Smart. looking for the talent and the passion. And she saw it in me yep. and she pulled it out of me. So how soon after that did the two of you meet? You know, we don't live very close to one another. We, we live in the same general vicinity. <laughs> Both live in Dallas, Texas. <laughs> yeah. Hey, have you seen the traffic yes, in I Dallas? Yeah. Um, so we did a lot. We did a lot of phone calls, texting, Facebook messaging. How did she show you the income opportunity? How did she show me the income opportunity? Um, you know, at that point, I kind of sought out a lot of information myself. Okay. Started kind of digging around on YouTube. Um, I remember many, many nights my husband would be out of town. I'd have the kids in bed and I would just get on YouTube Good. and just Smart. learn. I was, I was a sponge. I wanted to learn a little bit about it. Type A personality. Yeah. You know, Go get her. But I will admit it was still just fun for me. Yeah. It was a fun hobby. It was, I treated it like a game. Okay. For many months. For many months. So let's, uh, uh, those of you that follow the hero calls know that, um, I'm a big stat tracker, huge believer in people keeping their statistics. Uh, you know, it's kind of kind of like Moneyball. If you ever watched the movie Moneyball, you know that Moneyball transformed the professional baseball when somebody introduced the idea of instead of just you know looking for talent and good-looking guys and athletes, let's actually study their stats and let's recruit people based on their stats, um, not their not their TV personality or how they look or uh, stuff like that. And so the stats that are really important in network marketing are um, the number of people that you actually invite to take a look at your opportunity, and then how many presentations you end up doing as a result of that invite. So uh, an invite in our uh, definition here is not introducing somebody to the products. I mean, that's a step in the right direction, but an invite is not an invite until you ask them to look at the income opportunity kind of like what April did mm -hmm. would be the invite. And then the presentation <clears throat> you kind of did on your own, which is fine, however it happens. So maybe you meet somebody in Starbucks, maybe you do a Zoom, maybe they go watch a video on their own. However, they go through a presentation, <clears throat> the end of the presentation, they have an opportunity to enroll in not just the, the business, all companies are set up different, some cases you might just enroll as a member, some cases a customer, some cases a distributor. But the enrollment that counts is when people sign up or do whatever they need to do to declare, okay, I'm now a business builder. I'm now gonna pursue my own four-year career. So there's invite, there's presentation, there's enrollment. And then after there's an enrollment, there's leadership. Like how many of the people that I enrolled ended up being leaders. So what I want to do is dive into some of Alyssa's statistics so you can see what she did to build such a huge business. So in the first year, uh, how many people did you personally enroll? And include, like if you put them somewhere, sure, sure. include them. About 40 in my first year. Which those of you that follow the four-year career training, Bliss Business, and the Hero Calls, what we tell people is, in your first two years, you got to personally enroll somewhere between uh, 80 and 100 people. The pace you got to be on is three or four people a month. Doesn't necessarily have to be for two years, but it has to be until things explode. Right. Until, and it could happen in six months, could happen in nine months, could happen in 18 months. 
somewhere in those 40 people, those 50 people, those 60 people, those 80 people that you personally enroll, all of a sudden things just take off and you can't keep up. That's what happened. And when you can't keep up, then you can back off somewhat of your personal enrollments. So 40 people the first year, how many people the second year? About another 40. Your textbook. Yep. <laughs> She's the poster child. I didn't know though. No, you didn't. Now I know. Now you know. That's, uh, you know, ignorance on fire is far more than a PhD, more, far, far more valuable than a PhD in network marketing. So third year, how many people did you personally enroll? Probably another 20 or so. Okay. And fourth year, how many people did you enroll? Right now, I average one to two per month. Okay, you're in your sixth year. Right, and yeah. it's been, that's been pretty consistent. Okay, so you went years. like 40, 40, 20, 20, 20, yeah. like that. You probably couldn't enroll less than 20 if you tried, because it's just happens. Just happens. Right. Yes. So what did that, in terms of the four-year career, so if you track the numbers in the four-year career, it goes 4, 16, 64, 256, 1,000, 24, 4,096, um, you know, 16,340 or something like that. Those are the generations of the four-year career that are used to demonstrate compounding or geometric progressions in network marketing. So at the four-year mark, and if you know earlier. I do. Okay, good. So at the end of your first year, you sponsored 40. At the end of your first year, um, you can say rank, I'll kind of tell them, or you can actually tell them. Okay. How much money were you earning by the end of your first year and how many people did you have on your team? Sure, I like to track it through December. So yeah. uh, I consider the start of my business to be in April 2012 that I hosted that first class. Got it. I ended uh, 2012 with about 200 people on my team. Okay, that's really good. So pay attention to that, like sketch that out. Personally enrolled 40 people, but only had 200. 200 is awesome. Sure. So what was the rank there, do you think? Uh, the, in December, executive, so. Yeah, so you were making like. 800 bucks a month. Yeah, right. So as you all know, one of the big distinctions in network marketing is, you know, people work really hard. They recruit a lot of people. They go to a lot of classes. They're on a lot of conference calls, a lot of Zooms. They might go to a lot of meetings. They might end up spending a fair amount of money and they look at everything eight months, 12 months later and go, wow, I could make this amount of money working at Walmart. <laughs> why am I like, why have I turned my life inside out, upside down for $800 a month? And people that ask that question obviously don't understand the business that they're in. They still think they're in a linear income opportunity, in which case they're getting way underpaid for the effort they're putting in. But that's year one. So year two, you personally sponsored another 40 people. What did your business look like at the end of year two? It exploded. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. okay, what does that yeah. look like? So started 2013 with about those 200 people. I wanna back up a little bit though. My husband was unexpectedly laid off on December 21st, 2012. Wow. So 40s before Christmas. Did not see that coming. He had had a very well-established career for about six years with the same company, and they uh, underwent a merger, and he was let go. So that day is when I drew a line in the sand, and I said, okay, this isn't going to be a fun hobby anymore. Like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be all in. It was that day. Wow. 
So from 2012, it went from 200 people at the beginning of the year to 4,000 people mm -hmm. at the end of the year. So 200% uh, growth? No, no, uh, 20 times, 2,000% growth. Yes. <clears throat> and then the following year was even yeah. bigger. So, uh, you know, the point we want to focus on is not like, I mean, we'll touch on how big it is now, but the most important thing is 200 to 4,000. Mm -hmm. Because... 200 to 4,000 encapsulates 99% of what all of you, I'm not saying you wouldn't want to earn more money than that, but if all you ever earned or all you ever built was a team of 4,000 people in your network marketing company, whichever company it is, 99% of you would be uh, happy as happy could be forever because that would earn you, uh, I don't know, 20 grand a month or something. 20 to 30 grand a month, yes. Yeah. So in any company, in any comp plan. So um, what did you do, Alyssa? So she, she said something that's like so important, so pivotal, philosophically one of the benchmarks of every great successful person in network marketing. She said something that she did on December 21st um, after she'd been in the business eight or nine months. And that thing that you did where you talked about being all in, Mm -hmm. So walk people through, okay, you had a, an event that triggered that, but walk people through like, what was the conversation in your head about going from, this is fun, I'm goofing around with it, I'm working hard, but this is mad money, to, okay, I'm going to crush this. Mm -hmm. What was that conversation? What did, it, what did that sound like? For me, it was this huge shift in my belief about the 40-year career, which ah, yeah. was what my husband was in. And, uh, you know, even though he obtained another job fairly quickly, I lost all faith in being an employee, right. basically. Yeah. I thought, you know, if this company that's been so good to us for all these years can just let them go 40s before Christmas, um, we cannot count on this forever, no matter what company he's with. <laughs> And so it was then that I'm like, okay, this could, this, my business could be our plan B in case this ever happened again. Right. I still wasn't like, oh, this could replace our income and be a full-time career. But it was like, this is going to be our safety net. This will protect us, keep me secure in case this ever happens again. And I just didn't have any faith in his future employers after that. Yeah. If you think about it, folks, um, you know, if you're an employee and I'm all for people having a job and keeping whatever job you have. Um, but you know, obviously one of the great things about network marketing is it is a beautiful plan B because it, it, you know, here's the, here's the dynamic of being an employee. Your security has nothing to do with your career. It, it really doesn't have anything to do with the success of the company. It has to do with <clears throat> how rele relevant, how important, how critical are you as an employee to the current operations of the company? And do you fit in the scheme of what the company is gonna do moving forward? So if your company downsizes or it gets acquired by somebody or it gets a new CEO or a new vice president, or I mean, there's a million things that can change where all of a sudden you as a human being, you as somebody that maybe has been there 20 or 30 years, you don't matter anymore. Right in the scheme of things. And 
you know, it's kind of like people are, you know, can kind of relate to sports. It's kind of like sports, you know, you can, you can be a star player on a team for years, but if you have a new coach come in or you have a bad four or five games in a row, or you get injured, you're out. Right. And that's why so many of us, um, you know, embrace the beauty of network marketing, because even though it takes, it takes a, some significant effort and motivation to get that ball rolling, to get that first 200 people and turn 200 people into 4,000 people, it's worth it. So worth it. <clears throat> and it was a lot of work. Well, for sure it is. Um, and, you know, but, I, you know, most people are not afraid of work. It's not work that separates the people that make it from the people that don't. It's the people that believe, the people that see it, yes. the people that they see the possibility and, the, and their story is, I can do this. When you have that kind of story, then you do believe it's worth it. And you just do the work. You know, all of yep. us have worked really hard at different parts of our lives. Why? We either had to or we wanted to. We're all capable of that. And so that is the distinction you got to figure out with your team. Maybe it's for you. Maybe you're motivated. Maybe you're not. But that's the difference maker. People that are motivated, they get it done. People that aren't motivated, they go to training after training, program after program, book after book, event after event, Zoom after Zoom, and they don't get it done, even though they have a PhD in network marketing, because they're not motivated. I so, see that. I do. <clears throat> tell us about, um, so five and a half years, you're a veteran now. Tell us, um, what is the biggest mistake that you made in five and a half years? And it could be uh, a mistake mistake in building strategy okay. so that cost you build cost you money or it could be a mistake in uh, health could be a mistake in relationships could be a mistake in integrity some in some form of your life it cost you okay. in your young living business in that five and a half years what's the biggest mistake you've made well, Richard, I've definitely made a lot of mistakes, but the biggest one is really easy for me to share. Uh, a few years ago, the FDA stepped in and we were forced to make some changes in the way we were doing things in our business in Young Living. And I did not handle that very well at all for my team. It was uncharted territory. I was scared, knee-jerk reaction. I shut down a Facebook group with 25,000 people in it just overnight. And that was a massive mistake. I saw many, many people walk away from the business and I saw my sales volume over the next eight, nine months just plummet. That cost me a lot of money. I didn't know how to handle it. It was scary, it was new, it was unknown. We've bounced back since then, but that was a very costly mistake on mm -hmm. my part. And what was the source of the mistake? Like, you're familiar with this question, so I can ask it this way. Who were you being that <laughs> reacted that way? Who was I being? You want me to use the term? Yeah. Oh, gosh. I was being a petulant child. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't know you were going to use that term. Well, That's a technical term. <laughs> yeah. So you were being childish. I was. I, 
it was lack of personal development, which I didn't do much of until much later in my career. It was a mistake. Yes. So um, just something to think about, uh, whether you have a big business or you're looking to build a big business, that angry, resentful, reactive, childish statements or decisions or moves always cost you. And what that speaks to is your leadership. So leaders exactly. don't respond that way. Leaders don't react that way. They actually don't react, they respond, they think, mm -hmm. okay, what is the move that's gonna move things forward? And childish behavior is more like, what's the move that's gonna make me right and everyone else wrong and punish everyone around me? That's what children do when they're miffed. So the biggest mistake you made, if I could say it a different way, was perhaps your business outgrew your personal development. Oh, definitely. It grew so quickly. It grew faster than I could grow as a leader. Yeah. So I'm, I'm making up for last time. Yes, you are. So what's the smartest thing you've ever done? The smartest thing I've ever done? I would say um, the culture in my team. Tell us about that. Culture is so big. Yes. Tell us specifically about it. So first of all, I didn't really understand what was happening at the time, but I created a culture of collaboration and a culture where people come into my team and they feel like they are part of something bigger than themselves, that they are part of a community. And I did that really well. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's served my team well today. I see it duplicating, duplicating, duplicating. There's celebration when, when anyone ranks up. Okay, tell us about that. So I want you to be as specific as you okay. can be because people talk about culture all the time, but does, it's, it's kind of like, you know, <clears throat> gurus telling us what you need to have is confidence. Oh, yeah. <laughs> gee, thank you for that. You want specifics. Uh, I want to know how to get confidence, not to know that I need confidence. Culture is really important. How did you actually create it? Like, what are the specific things that you put in place and putting them in place, like how do you put them in place such that people carry it forward and duplicate? Sure. I think it starts with boundaries. So within my groups, we have rules. <laughs> There's no negativity. There's just not. There's no complaining. Uh, that's just not allowed. It doesn't happen. So if I have a complaint, what do I do with it? <laughs> you take it privately, either to the company or to your upline. Okay, so there's no public complaint. Correct. Got it. I think that's absolutely vital. Beautiful. Yes. Uh, we have rules where you don't get to come into our groups and sell whatever you're selling. Ah, tell us about that. Like selling what? Oh, you know, accessories for this or, or programs for this. You know, I, I'll allow some things on a case-by-case -case basis, but, you know, that's my community. I protect it. Mm -hmm. And I don't want people taking advantage of, of my people. Right. Yeah, yep. very important. Um, celebration. We, we welcome new members into the group. So how do you do that? Well, now Facebook has this amazing feature where when you've added a certain number of people to the group, Facebook lets you create a welcome message and it tags every single one of them. And then you can show them the, you know, there's a pinned post. Everybody uses pinned posts in their right. groups to show them where here's all the resources that you need. Um, other things I did was I, I, I still do this. I'm very generous with my team. I give them as many resources as I possibly can. My goal because it was not easy for me starting out. We didn't have a lot of resources or training uh, five, six years ago. It just didn't exist. So my goal was I want to make this business 
as ridiculously easy as possible for my people so that when they come in to my team, they can find everything they need at their fingertips. Beautiful. And I do that through generosity, just providing what they need. Okay. Uh, and what else besides, what else do you do to get people to drive that culture forward? Any specific strategies? Like if I have, let's say I want to do recognition, I want to uh, have training, I want to make sure that my group is not polluted with people selling all of their junk for their own personal gain, which is really important to keep clean in your team. What, what, let's say you had a group of you know, eight or 10 leaders and you're talking to them about, hey, let's drive the culture forward. What would you say to them to inspire and motivate them to like, take what you've done and push it forward into their teams? Well, you know, my core leaders, we have private Facebook chats mm -hmm. where we communicate often and ask each other for help and brainstorm. And if we need to turn the tide in a group, I can very quickly communicate with them and say, hey, let's, you know, I need some comments over here. I need some backup over here. Um, help me celebrate these rank ups. It's just, it's just very easy to communicate quickly those needs. And that duplicates all the way down every okay. time. So uh, let me ask you this. <clears throat> so this is a question about street cred. Street cred. Or another way to say it is political capital. Okay. <clears throat> I don't know where you're going with this. I uh, know you don't. <laughs> so let's say you got eight or ten leaders, your top leaders on your team, and you need them to do something to execute your vision. How do you get them to want to execute something for your vision? And I don't mean this time, not in this question, what do you say to them in that moment? But what have you, who have you been for them historically that when you ask for something, how they hear it is from respect, admiration, gratitude, yes. I'll do whatever you need me to do. Who have you been for people that created that political capital? Sure. I, I just think it starts with integrity. Ah. And relationships. And what do you mean by that? People know that I'm, I'm, I guess when I started my business, it was not all about making money. Right. It just wasn't. And people knew that my intentions were pure. And I wanted health and wellness or my people and that has continued today and now people see me as um, I think they're inspired when they see what I've been able to do they can look at me and say I want that too I want that for my people and I want that for my people I do I want them to create their own visions and, and they have they have I have a lot of amazing women on my team who've gone out and done the same thing so if I went and asked those eight or ten leaders um, <clears throat> How would they describe Alyssa's leadership? <laughs> would servant, you think they'd say servant leader? I would hope so. Uh, um, I, I don't. Let me ask you again. <laughs> Do you think they'd say servant leader? <clears throat> this is a hard question for me because yes it's not, no. I don't like making it all about me. <clears throat> yes or no, would they call you a servant leader? Yes. You sure? Yes. <laughs> That's a hard question, Richard. <laughs> that is not a hard question. <laughs> Might be a hard answer, but hard easy answer. question. 
hard answer. Uh, how else would they describe you? Uh, consistent. So, you know. Consistent. I show up. You show up. I show up. Walk yes. your talk. Yes. So here's what I mean by political correct. This is all about leadership. Like, how do you get leaders to do what you need for them to do is the way you do it is that you've earned the right to ask them. And you earn the right to ask them in many different ways. Integrity is one of the ways. So if they see you say, you know, this is who we are, this is the ground rules, this is what I stand for, but then what they experience is that you're not consistent with that. Like if it's convenient, you'll abandon those values. If people experience that, then you don't have the street cred, you don't have the political capital. So that's all about leadership. How do you get leadership to duplicate what you're doing? You know, be consistent, be trustworthy, have integrity, uh, create a track record of giving to them so often that when you ask them to step up and do something, that it's, it's just an automatic response. So uh, here's like, we'll fill in some of the gaps now in terms of the five and a half year career. So the end of first year, uh, 200 people, the end of the third year, 4,000 people, which is end of the second year, end of the third year, how many people did you have? 40,000. 40,000. <laughs> so it grew, didn't grow as fast actually. No. No, but only grew tenfold mm -hmm. the third year, 20 fold the second year. And by the end of the fourth year? Oh, about 80,000. About 80,000. Yeah. So uh, it doubled again by the end of the second year. And today, five and a half years later, how many people on your team? Today, 103. 103,000. Yeah. Do you know who the 3,000 person is? Mm, I'd have to look. <laughs> I don't know. They should get some sort of an award. <laughs> five and a half years in. So we don't talk about income on a hero call, but you know, you can just imagine that uh, that's an astronomical income number. And, you know, here's the beautiful thing about earning that kind of money in network marketing. Even at the 200, 2,000 people on your team level, most of that income is being earned for you by people who are just getting started, just getting the vision to create their own four-year career. So... Uh, that's where your security comes from. It comes from having bulletproof products, people that are products that are people going to pay for whatever you're charging. You know, the, the value proposition for products has to be, here's what the product does and here's what we're charging for it. And people will buy it every month over and over and over again, based on that value proposition. You got to have that rock solid. Most network marketing companies actually don't. And then you've got to have enough people on your team so that you've got, you know, 30 or 40 or 50 or 100 people who have a clear vision about they're going to build their own four-year career. And, and then when you have that, you have asset income. And asset income, as most of you know, is worth 200 times the monthly income. If you're making $1,000 a month in your network marketing business, that's worth at least $200,000 as an asset. That's what makes building a network marketing business worth it. It's not the $800 a month you earn after your first year, although for many people that's probably worth it, it's it's the $200,000 asset that you've created maybe after two or three years. So what would you tell people, Alyssa, you know, most people um, watching this live or listening to this hero call are in the state of wanting to be successful. They wouldn't be listening if they didn't want to be successful. True, they're here. 
they're willing to work because even watching this, you know, is part of the work, part of the preparation. But they haven't dropped into that place where they are, let's say, inviting, promoting, uh, introducing people, sharing, whatever you want to call it, with what I call reckless abandon. Like, this is awesome. This is going to work. It's not that everybody's going to want my products or everybody's going to want to do what I'm doing, but everybody deserves to know about it because who knows right. who's going to want. Right. Like getting into that place where that's more of your vision than, oh, what are people going to think about me? And am I going to be bothering people? And, oh, I don't want people to say no. Like those are the two different conversations. Most people listening to this call are in the conversation of I want it. But I'm afraid of what people are going to think. I'm afraid of being rejected. I'm afraid of bothering people. And that's their dominant conversation. What would you say to those people? Like, give them your two-minute hard-hitting inspirational oh speech. Okay. I need a drink. Have a drink. <laughs> Through a metal straw. Of course. All right, so those people, I think the biggest thing holding them back is that they are just overthinking all of it. Oh, tell us about that. I like overthinking. Well, like you said, the people that are the perpetual students of network marketing, they're just thinking about this constantly instead of just getting out there and doing it. And one of my favorite quotes is by Marie Forleo. And she says, and um, she tells this whole story about the background of this quote. She says, everything is figure outable. And I just, I love that quote. It speaks to my soul because yes. that's how my, I've lived my life. Like I'm just going to figure this out. I don't have the resources. I'm going to create them or I'm going to find them. And when you sit there and you overthink this every day about wondering those questions, what are people going to think of me or what if people say no, they are going to say no guys. That's just part of this process. Um, then you're not figuring things out. So I would say to those people, fall in love with your product like I did. That was key for me. I had yeah. to. That was the percolating process. <laughs> Get out there and live your lifestyle and set that example for people. And use attraction marketing. You don't have to chase down your friends. You don't have to be weird about it. You don't have to be salesy. You don't have to post graphics all over your timeline. Those things will probably actually get you a lot of no's. You just have to inspire people and just live that lifestyle out loud. Show people the real you. Share your stories on social media. Share photos of yourself. I don't think people do that enough um, of their life. Inspire people to want what you have. And that's how you attract people to you. But attending event after event and reading book after book, those are valuable. But that's not going to build your empire. It just won't. Mm -hmm. You have to figure it out. Yeah, you have to get to that place where um, you realize, like, this is just a cold, hard fact. It's not required to build a consumer, customer business, or maybe you have 10 or 20 or 30 customers, which might earn you $500 or $1,000 a month. It might. But if you're going to build an asset income, if you're going to build a four-year career, you have to come to grips with, you're a professional recruiter. That's what you do for a living. You recruit people through your products 
and through your opportunity to embrace the uh, asset income opportunity that network marketing provides. That's what you do for a living for a life on a part-time basis. And if you're a professional recruiter, then you better be professionally recruiting. Part of that is to have people like Alyssa asked her sponsor, hey, tell me about those products. Part of it is to, to live your life in a way that people say, what is that? What are you using? How did you get that before and after picture? Or how did you create that story? Get people so, curious about you. Yes. And that's not like being secretive or, or, or coy, but it's certainly not by plastering your products and your opportunity all over your, your Instagram or your Facebook page. It's by plastering your life. Yes. And not by plastering your food or, you know, <laughs> watching TV. It's like, you know, get out, have some fun connect with some people, learn something new, do something you've never done before, create some interest and some adventure and, and some excitement in your life, and then share it with people. And that gets people like looking at like, hey, what's going on with her? Absolutely. And, you know, so many products you can do before and afters, like, you know, be such an evangelist for your product that people ask, well, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. And you know, that's one of the easiest ways in the world to just connect people with the upside of what's going on. So um, shameless plug, how have you used the four-year career? Oh goodness. So I read the four-year career for the first time when I was already halfway through the ranks of my company. Yes. And that was the first time I actually understood geometric progression. And I read it and I had this aha moment. I'm like, well, that's what's happening for me. <laughs> oh my gosh. And then I started ordering that book in bulk and handing it out like candy. Just people showed up at my meetings and they were interested in the business at all. I gave it to them because I wanted them to understand our business model because I didn't understand it myself. And it was such a great tool. It was so simple. And I'm like, this, this answers so many questions. Um, so I started giving that out um, quite a bit. And you didn't even have uh, the women's version. No, it didn't exist at that time. And now I get to be part of the four-year career myself. Yeah. My story's in it, which is a huge honor, and I'm so grateful. It's kind of surreal, honestly, because that book had a huge impact on me and on my husband. And now Kimmy's, my awesome upline, is in this one now. Yep. Four-year career for yes. women. Yes. Shameless plug. That's all right. I love it. Love <clears throat> and um, you're also a uh, Bliss Transformational Retreat alumni. Yes, I right am. on the other side of our lights and camera is the infamous I've white uh -huh. couch. I've spent a lot of time on that couch <laughs> that you guys can't see. Many hours. What was that like for you? Not what I expected. <laughs> Ooh, not what, you, what did you expect? Gosh, what did I expect? I don't know. I was actually trying to have a really open mind about it. Um, what was it like for me? It was probably the most present I've been to myself and to others in many years. Okay, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Where do I where do I go with this? Uh, it was some of the most important personal development that I've done in these almost six years. Because, like I said, I did not do any till the top and kind of crashed and burned for a yeah. while. <clears throat> so if you were to give them a sneak peek into what was the transformation in you, okay. how would you speak to that? Well, there were several. Uh, 
But one of the biggest is, is my mindset about money was transformed. Speak to that. Well, I'm here. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here. Actually, I had a homework assignment when I left that retreat in October, um, which was to, to spend my money on things that bring me great joy and happiness, which is not easy. Um, wasn't easy. Why not? I think uh, just, just old stories I told myself. Just I grew up raised by a single mom. We didn't have money. And uh, there was this sense of I don't deserve all of this abundance that's come into my life and I don't know what to do with it now and there's all this pressure on what I do with all this money and here I am on Lanai with my family staying at the Four Seasons. Whew, whew, whew. Stressful <laughs> for you isn't it? A little bit. <laughs> How do you like those uh, burger costs? The burgers you know 30 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> How much is a uh, pot of coffee for breakfast? Um, I don't drink coffee but an iced tea is seven dollars. Nice! Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I'm back and it's good. It's healthy. Um, it's fun. You know, money is one of those things that people really struggle with their beliefs around. And that was a transformation for me. It was, it was huge. Just goes to show you how potent an opportunity we have. If you have, even if you have limiting dysfunctional beliefs around money and worthiness, um, you know, the fact that your income in network marketing is going to be created by hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of other people. And it's gonna be created by people who may not have those same limiting beliefs. So you can have those dysfunctional beliefs and still make a fortune in network marketing. Yeah, that was me. <clears throat> but you may not enjoy it. And so if you, if you are one of those people that is making money doing anything, uh, or you know, maybe you have the same conversation about you know, love and affection in your life. You know, what I tell people who are making in their mind more money than they think they deserve in their network marketing opportunity, what I invite them to do is give it back. <laughs> nope, sorry, <clears throat> I'm not giving it back. So if you're not gonna give it back, what does that really say about whether or not you deserve it? I say it says, you know what, you do have a conversation that acknowledges you deserve it, it's yours, because you're gonna keep it. And so they don't, that's just an important part of abundance mentality. Wow. And so is hanging out at the Four Seasons when you can afford it <laughs> and embracing $30 hamburgers and $7 glasses. Bring it on. Bring it on. You guys <clears throat> have to come here, it's amazing. It's yeah. just amazing. We're in paradise, all right, we're, uh, we're about out of time, so uh, I'm, what I'm gonna ask Alyssa, the last question I'm gonna ask her is, okay, you're five and a half years in, so let's say that uh, I get a chance to interview you and it's you know, three or four years from now. Mm -hmm. What are you gonna be doing three or four years from now? What's your life gonna be like? What's your business gonna look like? Well, I'm gonna have more peace, more joy, more contentment in my own life. Uh, surrounding my family. Um, I'm going to spend my money on <laughs> things that bring me joy and happiness mm -hmm. and, and also, you know, spread it around, help others for sure. I see my business growing. I see the people in my business, my team, the people under me um, having amazing success in the next three to four years. Yeah, I know that's a big part of your vision is what, what will that look like and what will that feel like for 
the eight or 10 people that helped you get to where you are for you to help them get to where you are now? What will that feel like? What will that be like? Just so fulfilling. Absolutely. I mean, these are some of my dearest friends to me that have come alongside me on this journey. I'm so grateful for them. And I, I mean, they're having amazing success now. And I know that they want the same for their people and the people around them. It's the best part of this business is helping others and seeing their success for sure. Okay. And to wrap it up, sometimes we turn the tables and without any preparation, because I know you haven't prepped for this. If you were to ask me a question, what would it be? Well, actually, I knew that question was coming. Oh! I've listened to a few <laughs> hero calls in my day. And you plan. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> All right. So my question for you, Richard. Um, you know, we've just come off an amazing fourth quarter. And everyone knows in our industry that that's like the biggest quarter of the year. And now they're looking at 2018, this blank slate. And I, I think people are kind of scared. Like, well, how do I keep this momentum going that we saw in the fourth quarter and bring it into 2018? Well, you do that through, I mean, I'm, I sound like a broken record, I know, around motivation, but uh, I just know in my heart and from 41 years of being full-time in this profession that motivation is everything. And um, so how you, how, how you come off a high, how you come off a great year and have an even better year the next year is to make sure your story the story that is embedded in your belief and your psyche and your heart, your spirit, your mind is a story of continued success. And so like a story that won't support you is, oh, we had a record year in 2017. We had a record fourth quarter. Oh, is that, you know, how we, how, like, how are we going to continue that in 2018? Yeah, it, it paralyzes yes. That rhetorical question gets wiped out of the psyche. You don't have, you don't ask any stupid questions like that because that's basically a vision. We don't ask rhetorical questions unless we already fear we know the answer. Okay. Like what if they aren't interested or what if they say no? Those aren't real questions. Those are affirmations. Those are predictions. We don't ask the question unless we already fear we know the answer and we don't like the answer so you don't have any of that kind of monkey business in 2018 and then so you like clean up create a beautiful vision for 2018 and you know what it doesn't have to be about you know company setting records or any of that kind of stuff here's the magic way to keep growth going on your team and you already have this in place so instead of thinking about what you're going to do in 2018 personally because in terms of personal goals there's really not a lot of juice left in like what are you going to do right. that is going to impress anyone or you know set any more records or hit any more ranks or win any more no. contests you're probably sick of going on contest places yes. so <clears throat> here's how you do it and here's how you do it from the bottom ranks like you like if you're in like the mini rank you know if you're in the first or second or third rank or you're in the medium rank this is how you keep everything going is you set all your goals for the coming year around people on your team mm -hmm. lifting them to their next level 
It has nothing to do at all with what the company's doing. The company can actually be doing this and you can be doing this. As long as your focus is on, not on you, but on your team. So if you're like, you know, a director or some position, and that's maybe that's, you know, $10,000 a month in volume, what do you want to do into the first quarter of 2018? You want to find out who on your team has the best shot of becoming a director and go down and lock arms with them, create a vision for them, teach them about vision and self-motivation, teach them about being a professional recruiter, teach them about geometric progressions in the four-year career, and lock arms and go build them to director. And this concept works at all levels. So you're a royal crown diamond. <laughs> <laughs> yep, How many royal crown diamonds do you have on your team? I have one right now. Great. What but do you do in 2018? Go get three more. Absolutely. That's what you do. That's I'm that's how that. you make 2018 an extraordinary year. And the beautiful thing about it, this is like so important. It doesn't matter what the company's doing. That never matters. It doesn't matter what the company's doing. All that matters is what you're doing. What is your team doing? That's all that matters. Like, you want to set records? Grow your business every year. That's the only record you need to set. And how do you grow your business every year? Find people on your team that are ready, that are committed, that have the horsepower, they have the motivation, they have the right story to take their business to the next level and do like April did with you. Lock Simple. arms, partner with them, make them your running buddy and go make it happen. And you'll have an extraordinary 2018. And you know, guess how you have companies be successful? You have enough people in the field that are doing that. And uh, hello, the company's doing just fine. Yes, I love it. Alyssa Francis, you are a gift to the network marketing profession. I'm, I'm going to interview you in three or four years and find out what a beautiful, abundant life you've had where you have uh, roamed the world looking to up your game. Like, I'm expecting you to tell me a story about a $70 cheeseburger. Oh, boy. Do you even eat cheeseburgers? Oh, yes. Okay. He just challenged me, you guys. Bora Bora. I'm always up for a challenge. Bora Bora. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You can get a $70 cheeseburger. I'll put it on the list, Richard. <laughs> hey, thank all of you for uh, joining thank us you. live thank here you so at Bliss Business and yet another hero call. Happy New Year. Signing off. <laughs> Over and out. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Richard Bliss Brooks Network Marketing Heroes Podcast. If you are inspired and are ready to create your own success story, then it is time to take advantage of some of the top network marketing tools available. Pick up the top recruiting tool that has prospects saying, yes, the four-year career and the four-year career for women. Get your mindset right. Without a clear vision, success is lost. Check out the best-selling book on vision, Mach 2 with your hair on fire. Learn to think like a successful person with this step-by-step -step guide on how to break through your self-imposed limitations. Mach 2 Vision Training is a 90-minute four-part video training where you get Richard to walk you through crafting your vision. It's a must for anyone looking to step outside the box and hit the ground running. For 10% off your order, use the discount code HERO at checkout. If you're serious about building your business, make sure to subscribe to Richard's blog for all the latest tools and articles. 
This success story is not typical. It is meant to inspire you and show you what's possible. It is not what you should expect to accomplish. Your income will depend entirely on you, your commitment, your work ethic, your leadership, and your ability to acquire customers and inspire sales leaders to join your team. Most people who start off intending to build a sales team do not maintain their motivation to continue.